Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I need to be assured that however my life wraps up, it wraps up with me going to be with Jesus. And there is nothing more important in this life than that. As parents, nothing more important than you're going to give your kids than the gospel. Clear instructions, how to know the Lord, clear witness, clear example. Nothing more valuable that we can pass down than this. This will matter more than anything else for eternity. It's the weightiest thing that we will ever discuss, take hold of, receive or reject. No matter how magnificent of a life you may have lived, at the end of the day, if you've not accepted Jesus into your life, you're destined for a dark ending. Pastor Bill teaches you today that the only thing that matters in life is getting to know Jesus and accepting him as your savior. Once you've done that, not even death will be a threat to you. Ask Jesus into your life. Pray that he will make himself real to you and inspire you to commit to his will. Do this and you'll be blown away by the things he has in store for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 17 as he continues his message, The Scarlet Harlot. If you were from, like where I lived, it was, you know, we wore blue, that's where we were from. You couldn't change up, right? You couldn't, I couldn't leave my mom's house when I went to my dad's house for the weekend, that was in Inglewood too, but it was in the red part of Inglewood. I didn't get to change up for the weekend. When I, my first few weekends at my dad's house, meeting all the young kids over there, and it was like, they're from Inglewood family, well, I'm from Watergate, and it was like, so what are, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't get to, I couldn't go to my dad's house and be like, can I leave all my blue clothes at mom's and wear red clothes at dad's? No, I'm on a team already, you know? And it, I grew up with those guys, you know, so it was, you know, it was, it was I guess knowing each other young enough, you know, it was always all good and all love and everything. But you couldn't change up. You couldn't switch teams. I sometimes feel like, you know, and that's and that, that would be the, the, the dumbest of things. Right. I'm not I'm not supporting gangbanging. It's stupid. But I think when Christians do it, how much more should my commitment to Christ be than to some gangbanger out there? that's like, no, I'm repping my blue and I'll fight for my blue, die for my blue. I, I represent Jesus. I can't be bending and folding. When I move over here and it's like, well, they're not, we don't really agree with, I, I'm not going to bend and fold for you. This is everything to me. Everything to me. Everything is wrapped up in G. That's my savior. He died for me. No one else did for me what he did for me. I don't love anybody more than I love him. No system, no group, no, no religion, no privilege, nothing. Him above everything else. And so when we step into places and it's like, man, that, that place is, they're opposed to what I believe as a Christian, I'm, I should stand my ground. Then maybe I can't be here. Maybe we can't, we can't be, I can't be a part of, of that thing. But don't fold, don't yield, don't give it over. I think that as believers that we have to be able to identify that we live in a fallen world. There are fallen systems all around us. And, and in those fallen systems, they're not going to be friendly towards believers. At the end of the age, they're going to actually kill them. Today, they might not, they might not be able to kill you today. It might, we're, not, we're not that far down the road, but they feel that way. As you look at some of the systems that are in place now and people that have agendas and they want to push things forward, you know who's in the way all the time? Us. People want to move forward. Let's just change the marriage. and what mar No, Christians are the ones saying, no, marriage is a man and a woman. They sick of hearing that from us. But that's just, I mean, we don't get a new book, amen? <laughs> I'm like, I just, I just, that's what it is. That's what a marriage is, a man. We're not going to redefine that for y'all. 
So we stand in the way. And so the groups that are like, man, we want to change that. They're going to end up opposing. And eventually it'll be aggressive. By the time we get here, that's why I'm, 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 I'm glad that I'll be raptured. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be about it here. Um, but by this time, you know, they're going to be, saints are going to be dying for holding their ground. Um, there are groups that are like, look, let's just have unity. Let's just have an interfaith gathering and pray. I can't be part of an interfaith. Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light when there's no way to the Father but through him. I can't be at a gathering where you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil, and I'm joining you to pray to Jesus. That's, we can't pray together. Y'all understand that? It's not being indifferent. It's just being real. We, we're not really, y'all aren't even praying. Y'all don't know it, but y'all are not even praying. Y'all can't reach heaven. If you're a Muslim and you're a Buddhist and you're a, a whatever, you know, y'all don't know God yet. I can't join hands with you guys and say kumbaya and, and take pictures. Uh, so, but, but because Christians feel that way, we believe that way. It's, there's an exclusivity to what we believe. The world is, is, is bothered by that. And so more and more as we move toward the end of the age, there'll be persecution towards the Christian faith. So persecution is a good thing. Persecution always purifies the church. There's a lot less fake believers when there's persecution. So people that's just faking it, a little persecution hit, they can go on home. They, they, they not, they, they're not made for it. Persecution will purify the church. Uh, it, what's left will be pure and powerful. They're everywhere in the world where the church is persecuted, it's pure and powerful, but small, but pure and powerful. It's real. So as we move in this world and we interact with the things around us, I'm, I'm just exhorting us, encouraging us to, to stand strong in Christ. So we should read every day. We should pray. We should be in fellowship. We should walk with one another. We should strengthen each other um, because more and more it will be a battle. There's a lot of things that will be against us and what we believe as you're trying to raise kids in this. Anybody that's got to deal with the public school system, you're going to be constantly fighting messages that your kids are being sent. You're like, that's not what we believe. Don't tell my kid that. Don't don't don't. Inf- I don't want them to read that book. I don't I don't I don't agree with that agenda or that perspective or whatever. That's going to be it's going to be more and more and more as we move things forward, that these things will be happening in the world in which we live. And so now verse seven, it says, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? Because he marveled at the woman that was drunk with the blood of the saints. And so he said, why did you marvel? Why? He says, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So we get we get all the information about the beast that we need to know. The beast that you saw it was right now, it says it is not, but it's going to ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So ultimately, the beast is going to hell. Amen. So everything the beast does, whoever's riding the beast, whoever's associated with the beast, we don't want to be down with because the beast was going to find its way to hell. Ultimately, then it says, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel. Notice whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, earlier in Revelation, we saw that the beast uh, was killed. And then resurrected and people were like, whoa, and it it caused people to to follow after it and go after. And so here it says that the people on the earth whose names interesting is that it's it's those that are not saved, those that are not redeemed, those whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast, 
that was and is not and yet is. And so I want to explain this real quick because it says that people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. How do you how do you confirm that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Because what we find is we come to the end of the book of Revelation. That's all that matters. Y'all know that? Can I cheat ahead real quick? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, in, in Revelation chapter 20, we'll, get, we'll be there in a few weeks, right? At the great white throne judgment in chapter 20, um, verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead and great standing before God, and books were opened. Uh, I believe those books are the books that have the deeds of your life, all the stuff that you thought and did that shouldn't have did, shouldn't have thought, if you're a non-believer. Uh, if you're a believer, your stuff's washed away in the blood of Christ that don't exist far as the east is from the west, and you'll be praising God in heaven. But if you miss that, you'll be here at the great white throne. Only non-believers make it to the great white throne, by the way. Then it says, in another book, um, which was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in them. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hear this. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I'll stop there. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So to me, it becomes critically important. I want to I I be sure that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I want you to understand how to be sure that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And it's this simple. All those that have put their faith in the finished work of Christ, that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the grave, and you have in faith surrendered to him as Lord. That group, those people's names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so those that have rejected Christ, those that have heard the gospel but not yielded, not repented, not turned, not believed, not walked with, have continued in sin, those are the people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And so when books are open, the books of all their sins and all their deeds, it'll be read against them like a court date, um, like an indictment against them. And they'll give an account for the life that they lived in rebellion to God and ultimately die a second death. You know, so it's been said of the believer, if you if you're born once, you die twice. Right. Born once from your mother, you die a physical death and then you die a spiritual death. Uh, we talked what we saw there in Revelation 20. But you can flip it around. If you're born twice, you die once. So if you're born of your mother, then born again of the spirit, saved, then you only die a physical death. Then for you to be absent from the body is to be what? So it's all good for the believer, right? So we want to be part of that group that's born twice. So we either die once or we're lucky we get to be raptured. I, I really am hoping I get to be part of that, that group, you know. Uh, but I guess every believer from every generation has hoped that to be the case. I'm good to know that whatever happens, I'm going to be with the Lord, whether it's through death or rapture. That's what I need to know. I need to be assured that however my life wraps up, it wraps up with me going to be with Jesus. And there is nothing more important in this life than that. As parents, nothing more important that you're going to give your kids than the gospel. Clear instructions, how to know the Lord, clear witness, clear example, nothing more valuable that we can pass down than this. This will matter more than anything else for eternity. It's the weightiest thing that we will ever discuss, take hold of, receive or reject is what Jesus did for us. And so here um, is those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life who are marveling um, at this at this beast. And then verse nine says 
Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Some believe this to be a representation of the, the revived Roman Empire. Uh, we know that you know, there's, a fa there's, a, there's parts of what we'll see in the end times that there'll definitely be power in Rome that's there. Um, verse 10 says, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. And so the, the seven kings are world leaders. Five of these world leaders have already fallen. And so it says five of them have fallen and, and one is and the other one has not yet come. And so as these leaders fall, they're replaced by other leaders. So we we see that in the end time sequence of events, part of what Satan is doing is knocking down leaders and raising up new ones, putting in position those who he wants, those that will hold his opinions, hold his agendas, so forth and so on. We see that today in politics. Um, and I, I can't say this anymore, you guys, that. On either side of politics, I'm, I'm not for either side. I'm, I'm, so for, I'm too much for Jesus to care about either side of the political system. I don't even believe in it at this point. So um, that's me, you know, so you may believe in it. I, I vote, I vote my faith, but I don't believe in a party. I don't believe in, I, I don't believe anybody we, that we elect will do everything that they said they was gonna do. I just don't. I've never seen it be great. I don't believe that, it, I just, I don't put any faith in that system but I live in America, so I do my part as a Christian citizen of my country. Having said that, as you look at either side of anything, it's, I, that's what I'm always wondering. On both sides, there's more than even two sides, all the other pieces. I'm like, man, all these people, Satan's got his hands in them. And as they, you know, they got different agendas, they, they, they have different people that kind of look to them. So this faction of the country looks to that group. And this faction of the country looks to that group. And so they tell this group what they want to hear. This group's telling this group what they want to hear. And I listen sometimes for just, man, what the enemy is doing in the midst of it. If nothing else, what I look at believers, and I'm looking, I'm looking at believers saying, that's a lot of faith. You have a lot of faith in that system, government. Think about what government, government is men governing men. Be careful that as a man or a woman, person, a human being, that you don't have faith in the system of men governing men. That's, that's what Satan is going to use here. Satan's like, it doesn't matter. I think Satan owns both sides of everything. He's like, I'm going to give them eight years. I'm going to give them eight years. And, they're gonna, I'm, and I'll, I'll divide them the whole time. I'll keep the world divided. I'll, I'll seep it into the church. Folk won't even be able to talk. They say, man, you can't talk about, you can talk about anything but religion and politics with some people. You know why? Because people believe it deep. People, the, 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 I mean, they believe it like they believe religion. You know, like they believe Jesus. I'm, I'm careful about that. I don't want to have that kind of conviction about something that's just man-made. That's just men making rules and giving false hope and making promises. This, it's just the word of men. It's not the word of God. So, um, and then when I look at here, it's, it's at the end, Satan's like, I got to knock down these leaders and raise up some new leaders and put people in place to do what I want. I wonder, who's he have in place? I mean, as you look back, I mean, he's, I mean who's been in place? Who's... What, what, what has been Satan's involvement in all that we see? The only thing that we can trust in is Jesus and his organization is the church. Amen. I, I, my heart is that the church would really be, be doing its part, that we would, be, we would be doing our part to have an influence in the world. Our voice will be different, distinct. The things that we say and what we believe would be very distinct and very different because uh, it comes from the Lord. But there should be a great unity about what we have to say and what's going on. 
Um, and so these, these again, this, these kings, uh, some of them are fallen. Um, one has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. And in verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive authority for one hour as kings uh, with the beast. And so these people that are raised up, these leaders, these world leaders are given power by Satan. He gives them power for it says for an hour. It's a, it's, a, it's a specified short amount of time. We're already at the end of the tribulation period. And so there'll be people that Satan empowers just for this moment. I got this person for that thing, for that moment, for this group, for this thing. He'll position them and empower them, knock down those that need to be removed, put people in power just for their moment to do their thing. Verse 13 says, there are, these are of one mind, so they're united, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and kings of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Highlight that verse in this chapter. Because we're looking at all the wickedness and the beast and the kings and the this and the that and all these weird people and all these weird names. Eventually, they get bold enough to say, we're going to go to war with the lamb. Who is the lamb? Jesus, right? And they finally say, man, we're going to, we, we done, we done been, we martyred the lamb's kids. Earlier it says that they were drunk with the, with the blood of the saints and the martyrs. They've been killing these kids. And finally, they get bold enough to say, now. Uh, we're going to step to the lamb. We'll see that later in the battle of Armageddon. We're going to come and step to the lamb himself. We don't even get out of the verse. It says that they make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. Why? And don't forget this. He is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. Lords are earthly authorities. Kings are worldly authorities. The Bible says he is the Lord of lords, the king of kings. That means there's no authority above the lamb. Amen. And that's so that's who we're connected. That's who we worship. There is none above him, none like him, none to be revered above him. There's no authority above the authority of the lamb. And so um, it says, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. That's us. Who are those that are with the lamb? It's the children of God. Those that are, and we're called chosen and faithful. We've been chosen by the Lord and God calls us chosen and faithful. Verse 15 then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And so as, a, as, as this beast was sitting on, um, the harlot sits on the waters, um, the waters represent nations and people. This is what God comes to save. As we get to the end of the book of Revelation, there's every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. Um, the enemy is going after the same thing God is going after. Always the case. It's Interesting to me that it's it's multitudes of nations. God's not going after one people group. Amen. God's not racist. Amen. He's trying to save some of everybody that, that the church needs to remember that we got to we're living in a we're, we're living in not just a politically charged season. We're also living right now in a very racially charged season. You guys know that. So if you watch social media, if you look at the news, people are pushing agendas and putting out things. And there's a lot of racism, reverse racism. This group is mad at that group. That group is mad at this group. The church has to be very careful because I, I got to I, no matter what's going on out there. Right. I got to remain of the position that says I represent him. Amen. And I represent him to everybody. I can't be racist. I can't decide I don't like them. 
or I don't like this, no matter what people have done. I got to believe that in my core, in my heart, that I, I, don't, have, I don't have room to hate because I've been forgiven of everything. And God says, now as a forgiven person, I want you to go out there and be a minister of reconciliation. And, and you might be, you know, it might be people that are bad. Bad people need Jesus. Amen. Um, the worst people need him the most. I mean, they, they really need him. So I got to keep that in my heart. I can't get wrapped up out there and, and start, you know, running amok. And, and now I'm, I'm pro this or I'm against that. or I'm, I, And I, I pray that it wouldn't happen in the church. Uh, our church is beautifully sprinkled with some of everything. I like that. I, I believe that this is this is what heaven heaven will be. You know, whenever I go, I've gone to churches that are all one thing. Uh, whenever I go to Calvary Chapel South Bay, I, I look out and I'm like, man, they got it's just like a rainbow. See, black, white, Samoan, Asian, you know, uh, uh, Hispanic. Everybody is. It's like it's a beautiful thing. Like that's that's what the the world should be able to look at the church and say, man, like what do they have in common that they would all come together? You know, different ages, different races. Jesus, who we have in common. I believe that we should be able to model to the world how to do this thing. And so here, again, the, the, it was represent the waters, represent peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, some of everybody there. Verse 16, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So eventually <laughs> they turn on uh, themselves and the ten horns which you saw on the beast eventually will hate the harlot. And they're going to make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. And this is why, for God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And again, representative of Babylon, that's the woman that we saw. So as we wrap up this chapter, this is the this is the takeaway. Strange chapter strange characters, strange people, and all these different things, but here's what's communicated in the chapter. There is a world political religious system, Babylon, that is opposed to God and his people, the church, then and now. So not, it's, it's, we see it fleshed out in, in here in Revelation during the tribulation period, but it's, it's alive and well here and now today. We know eventually they go all the way to the pact where they, they go against God. They try to go to war with God. And they ultimately are destroyed in that because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Ultimately, God wins. So for the believer, we can already know I'm already on the winning team. I'm with with Jesus. I'm team Jesus. But I also want to be aware that as I look at what Satan was using to control people, to move things, political powers, world leaders, systems, uh, beliefs, false beliefs, all these different things. I want to be aware that in the world in which I live, all that's alive and well right here, right now. So I'm going to be careful about beliefs and systems and practices and politics and anything that would seek to influence me that's not Christ. And that's my charge to you guys as the church. We would be very careful to let anything influence us that's not Christ. Challenge anything that's influencing you that's not him. Take heed to what you're consuming via radio, television, podcast, you know, Instagram and Facebook. Just consider what you take in weekly. And if you find that, man, there's some stuff I take in that has strong opinions and views and opinions and stuff that's not from Christ. Challenge that. Consider that. Rather, you should be consuming that and taking that in. More and more as, again, the, the time for his return comes close, I, I want to be immersed in him 
that I could be a great witness for him because everybody around me needs to hear more of him and more from him. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through this very interesting book of Revelation. At first glance, the book can be extremely confusing and downright terrifying. But for the believer, this book brings hope that God will bring and make things right despite all the turmoil that will occur here on earth. Does learning and hearing about Revelation cause some anxiety? Or are you at peace with what God's Word says? Wherever you are at today with these prophecies of things to come, we want you to know that we're praying for you and would love to hear from you. Please call or text us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. If you're looking for a place to plug in, you're welcome to join us for church this weekend too. Check out our service information for Calvary Chapel Inglewood on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. We're offering online services, so look on our website or join our live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. There are links for these on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, be sure to check out more of Pastor Bill's messages from this series and from other books of the Bible. Just look under the media tab for additional messages to listen to, download, or share with others. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time as Pastor Bill looks further into the book of Revelation. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word.